0: Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 145. Let's roll. I almost forgot how to do it. I've been gone so long, folks. Two solid weeks of no show. Some of y'all are Jones and some of you, what is it? The, uh, the Dave Chappelle with the, uh, with the, with the chalky fingers, that's all you guys out there. Um, so sorry, sorry, boys. I would say girls, but we all know there's no girls listening. We all know just girl. Listen, thank you so much. All you people out there listening to the show, this show has been gaining a lot of traction. I am grateful for all of my longtime listeners. I am grateful for all of my new listeners it is, it is humbling, and so thank you so much. Thank you to the partnership at uh, Player Profiler. I think that has a lot to do with our growth, and we are grateful to them as a partner. So I am just so stoked. And speaking of our um, relationship with Player Profiler, I have someone on the show this week that, honestly, I am such a huge fan of specifically. Um, I first heard Mr. Anand Nduri on the uh, podcast he started with Matt Kelly, and uh, it was a really new uh, you know uh, podcast idea. It's very original. I'm sure that y'all listen to it already but for those who don't man, definitely go check it out. Anand is such a such a sharp mind but uh, kind of like me he's a bit of a shit talker which is what I love about him. I love Anand and Duri. Anand come on out and tell the people what is up.
1: What's up Jax? How you doing buddy? Great to be on with you man. Been a big fan of your stuff for a long time, also, so that feeling's mutual. Um, And you know, obviously, I'm sure you've talked to Matt before. He and I host the show, as you said, called Decision Point. And uh, we also like to talk a lot of shit. But you know it's it's in the it's in the context of making everyone better fantasy gamers, kind of expanding your horizons in terms of the way that you think about why you do the things that you do. Uh, So we'll get into that obviously today, and kind of some of the 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 nuance involved in getting better at something that you know is still relatively new in terms of dynasty fantasy football we think of it as this old thing that we're you know chasing out and finding the next big thing whether it's Devi or campus to canton whatever it is but it's still fairly new so yeah. we're all still learning somewhat too
0: yeah it's funny because it's one of those games where you never have it all figured out you know it's not like you can ever figure it out um but you're trying to put it in a process. And this is what I talk about with my anatomy series. It's like, you know, obviously I'm a dynasty guy first, by the way, this show I've said it on many times before, this is a football show. I'm a dynasty guy. This is a dynasty, uh, you know, podcast, but you know, there's a lot of football podcasts we've done here. And this one will probably be some dynasty, some football because I've got a great mind on has a, a background in, you know, basically, you know, in, League office, so to speak. You know, you've got some of that sort of behind the curtain understanding, and that's one of the reasons I really like having around. But he's also a legit fantasy player, gamer, uh, better gambler, drinker. You know, just the type of motherfuckers we like on this show. But really, with that 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 background, is really cool. I, I want to say one little thing. So the reason I was gone for two weeks was I was on vacation. I went back to the to the motherland. You know, I went back to Boston. Uh, visited family. So if you're wondering why I was on hiatus, also, I'm really, really glad I took that particular time off because before that moment when camp starts and before preseason games actually happen, those are the biggest false flags of the entire season. I think, would you agree
1: with that? Oh, 100%. (laughs) Everybody's so starved for content. Yes. And anything that's actionable. You know, Dynasty players, the reason that we're so addicted to the format, the reason we love it is it's 24 7, 365. It's not like redraft. It's not like best ball where, you know, you set it and forget it, or it's five months out of the year. It's. All day, every day, all the time. And so people are looking for actionable content to drive them to do what they want to do, which is trade and make roster moves and do stuff. Even if it's not to their own benefit, they're just itching for something. Yes. The the Dave Chappelle guy the chalky
0: fingers. That's
1: it. yeah, you're just you're sitting there waiting for content, whatsoever whatever it is, and it's like, oh, this kid had a ridiculous preseason catch. All right, uh, is he going to be the number one and and insert place here? Do we need to move him ahead of this player? What are we doing with his ADP on underdog? Everybody's going nuts about it, which is awesome, and it it, it does add to s- some chaos to you know the late June, early August window that we didn't have before. Exactly. But people are just starved for content. Yep,
0: and I, I would say that right now like right this moment is actually actionable and probably some people will pay attention to the wrong details. One of the things I pay attention to almost most, maybe first and foremost is sort of who plays with the ones, because, you know, if a guy goes out and puts up five catches for a hundred yards and a touchdown, that's great but we've seen marquez calloway before what's more important and, and you know no disrespect to mr calloway but like sometimes we think one thing or the other but what i really want to know is you know who's going to play on third down out of the backfield who's going to be the starting uh, wide receiver and two wide receiver sets things like that you know which tight end is playing with the ones these are the types of things i like to look for And I think those are a little bit more actionable because even during a long season, you know, during the regular season, the stats that certain players put up are very short sample traps anyway. So, you know, certainly in the preseason, I'm not looking at that so much. I mean, yeah, if a guy plays well, it's certainly a better data point than if he doesn't. But what do you think about sort of looking at snap share, especially with starters and ones?
1: I think it's one part of it is it is just a vanilla game, relatively speaking. You know They're going to be scheme targets for certain guys that they're trying to get to feel a little bit better about having drops in practice. They're going to get a couple of backup linemen in there occasionally or backup tight end in there. But you can learn a lot based on how teams come out and who they're comfortable putting out there with the ones because at the end of the day, if you throw Aaron Rodgers out there, if you're the Jets you're absolutely sending your ones out there to protect him. You're not going to send, you know, you're not putting 40 year old Aaron Rodgers yeah, out let's there. Let's try the some dude in there. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. You nah. know, you're not, you're not putting the backup right guard in no there chance. for uh, yeah. n- even for a preseason game. So I think especially for the, the, the situations where we have solidified quarterbacks, we know who the QB one is. We know the RB one is, I think it's important to to take note of who they rotate in there also to play with the ones even if they don't get out there immediately, yeah. when you're looking at your wide receiver threes, your tight end twos, just depending on personnel groupings, you've got certain new faces and new places in terms of coaches, in terms of offensive coordinators. How are they going to change what they do based, to the, based on their personnel, based on the scheme that they want to run versus what they have to run? Um, and it, it's just interesting kind of watching all of that play out. But, yeah, this is much more actionable than three weeks ago was because guys are actually fighting for roster spots. Guys are fighting for starting spots. Guys are even just putting stuff out there on tape for other teams to take on. Famously, Darren Waller is a great example of that. So. You're, yeah. you're you're not dead in the water if you're not running with the ones day one, but it does tell you something if they keep showing up with the ones.
0: Yeah, I wanted to talk about a lot of that stuff and more. Especially, we're going to hit the running backs and and what we think of some of the running back, um, you know, movement, you know, the signings and all that stuff, all that and more. Right after this, the first running back I wanted to talk about with you, Alan, was uh, was Jonathan Taylor. I think he's you know. Boy, oh boy. I mean, talk about, you know, top five, maybe the RB1 overall in some, in some people's eyes. Certainly maybe after Bijan, you know, there's the Bijan tier and then everybody else. I mean, Jonathan Taylor had a down year last year, but has shown that he can score, you know, 20 touchdowns <laughs> in the right environment. Um, he's a beast. He's an absolute, you know, he, he rushed for 2000 yards in college three straight years. So he's a he's a volume guy. Uh, He's been efficient in the passing game. So he's got uh, running back one overall upside without a question. Not exactly sure how he fits into this offense this year, but you know, I mean, he's an RB one. If he plays 17 games that, that much we know what we don't know is exactly what's going on. I had a pretty vicious Jim Ursay rant set up for this show two weeks ago. And it's, it's cooled a little bit. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll let some of it fly here in a minute, but I really want to hear about what you think about this Jonathan Taylor situation and how it impacts us going forward.
1: I think it's very similar to what the Giants had going on with Saquon, but they're in a different spot in their quote unquote rebuild with their young quarterback than Indy is. If you pay Jonathan Taylor, you're basically investing in your backfield. It's the same way that you invest in tight end. It's the same way that you invest in a wide receiver one as you're getting your quarterback acclimated to the league while your quarterback makes whatever it is. I think it's seven or 8 million that Anthony Richardson's making Minshew's not making a ton as a backup. You can afford to in spots like this, invest in a Jonathan Taylor. And I think that's the part that Ursay has wrong. It's not that you never pay a running back ever. It's not that guys like Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley aren't replaceable. The big problem that you run into is that by year six and year seven in the, in the league, their best days are already behind them. So if you're going to pay him, the way you go about doing it is you give him a two-year deal, max out a lot of the incentive-based stuff that he can hit if he does continue to perform the way that you hope he can if you're paying him that money. And you put together a deal that makes sense both for him to hit you know, massive pay structures if he does continue to perform at 1,800 yards and 15 touchdowns every season for you and you give your young quarterback that clearly is going to need some time to get acclimated, not just to NFL speed, but that only started, I think, 13 or 14 games at Florida. He's going to take some time to to get in there and and feel everything out. And Jonathan Taylor is going to be a big part of that, not just as a rusher, not just as a receiver, but also in pass pro, which we don't talk about a lot in terms of fantasy, but that has a big deal that has a lot to do with when and how often they're comfortable putting you out there. He's not coming off the field very often and if he's there you're fine to buy at RB1 prices because he's shown he can deliver that time and time again other than obviously the year that he got hurt.
0: Right. And if we look at this from Jonathan Taylor's perspective, you know, he's basically saying, look, I'm still young, you know, I am I'm, I'm in the prime. I'm not an over the over the hill guy. I've got 5 million owed to me this year but it's like none of it's guaranteed i got no future guaranteed money if i go out there and hurt myself i'm nobody the idea is that you'll probably franchise me next year which is you know 10 ish million something like that you've got 5 million here why don't we put something together now from what i understand is that he's asking for 16 17 million a year which i don't think is reasonable but i wonder you know if if what you're saying about Ursay is he's like Fuck it, I'm not doing nothing. Or if he's like, no, I'm just not paying you that. And therein lies the rub. I really don't know. Obviously, we can imagine. I would think that they both, meaning the agent and the team, you know, whether it's Ursay and JT, it's not exactly them two dueling in a in a in a in an office. But, you know, you would think that they do know the the value difference, you know, and that yes, those 16, 17, 18 million dollar per year contracts for running backs may be a thing of the past. But, you know, certainly uh, 10 million, 11 million isn't because Pollard got it. um, You know, uh, Saquon got it. Jacobs got it this year. So they're probably going to do that again for him next year. I just wonder if there's a way that they can salvage the quote unquote relationship with a contract that puts him somewhere in that $12 million range, maybe for, you know, three years or something like that. Uh, Is that kind of, am I reading this right?
1: I think, I think what's most likely is that they do a two year deal. Um, If they do come to it before the season starts, I think it's probably going to be a two year deal, maybe with a third year option, one side or the other, Um, or basically a three year deal that really only has guaranteed money into year two. But what I would expect is that they'll give him 12 to 13 million, make him basically the highest paid amongst the guys that got deals this year. Right. And then create unlikely to be earned incentives in his contract up to four or 5 million where if he continues to deliver they'll continue to pay him but again if you get hurt and can't perform the way that we need you to perform we're not giving you you know your 25 30 million dollars in guaranteed money
0: what do you think the likelihood is that that he gets traded i mean i think that's low isn't it
1: i i'd say it's fairly low just based on the situation he's in um And just basically what what backs trade hands for McCaffrey is a very unique situation because San Francisco desperately needed to resurrect their run game last year. Uh, And he was clearly capable of doing that basically by himself, but that's not a one, that's not a one-to-one with where Jonathan Taylor is and, and what it would take to acquire him. I'm assuming Indy would want significant draft capital for him. And I just don't think that there's a team out there that it makes sense to pay that for to then have to pay him. So um, I think in all likelihood, he, he ends up a Colt
0: still. And, and do you think he suits up week one?
1: I do think he suits up week one. So with, with all
0: one. that said, right, with all that said in, in Dynasty by JT, right?
1: I think based on where you can get him right now, yeah. With the, uh, the uncertainty if and if,
0: everything. People are freaking out. Is he hurt? Is he this? Is he not going to sign? Is he going to hold out? All the rest of it. I don't think any of that happens, right?
1: I don't think any of that happens either but my ba- the, the basis for buying him is basically if you're a team that need that's in win now mode yeah and you're you're looking at a team that clearly is either rebuilding or needs a piece or two more or and are looking at rookies in the future yeah it's it's probably worth sending out offers for JT just cuz they're probably freaking out about what his value will be come week 1 yeah whereas if you if you have to sit him till week three or four this year, if you're a contending team, it you, whatever pick you just traded for Jonathan Taylor really shouldn't impact you this year at all. Yeah. So you should be able to weather the storm without him, even if he doesn't play temporarily. Cause you know, at some point this year he's going to suit up and he's going to be really, really good. When
0: he yeah. Doesn't. I saw him, I saw him uh change hands for, I thought a very low price in a dynasty league. I mean, it's a little bit of an amateur league to some degree, but, um, some new, new dynasty players, but for like a single 24 first and James Conner, you know, which was like, that's, that's a great deal, you know? Uh, (laughs) Right. So I think that's that's a panic sell for me, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think JT is one of those players where you're probably looking at a three, four year window where you're contending with him. I feel the same way about Bijan. If you're not a contender and you have him and you can move him for assets in the future that can help you contend by the time you're actually ready to win. That's a move that I would be at least considering at the moment, but obviously it depends on who you're playing with and what the offers are. Because we can throw all these offers out in the wind that we would take if nobody's willing to make them or if nobody's going to offer them then ultimately it doesn't matter. And you're kind of stuck holding.
0: We talk about that all the time on this show on, and it's like, you know, so many times people say, well, just sell them for a second. It's like, you could literally spam your entire, not, not JT, but whomever player X, you know, you could spam your whole league, which I've done. I did it with Alexander Madison. I spammed my entire league with Alexander Madison. I sent everybody the same offer, you know, Madison for their 24 second, everybody told me to go fuck myself. You know what I mean? And so like, that's crazy. I thought I would have gotten at least one person to click that button. So sometimes, you know, the you know, there's there's 11 other people in your league. Um, and sometimes those aren't the 11 that will click the other side of the 24 first or Alexander Madison poll when it's on Twitter. Those, those aren't the guys, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's all voting on a Twitter poll <laughs> is all theoretical money. And as much as go. people want to tell you that they, they're giving you their honest insight. It's a little different to say, totally. you know, I, I want to sit there and say, oh, like, yeah, I would absolutely sell Mahomes for five firsts or whatever it is. Right. And it's entirely different to actually click that button if you have them or if you're giving up those five ones. That's right. Like, it, it, all these trades are great in theory, but unless you're actually willing to press the button to do it and can find someone that wants the other side of that, it's all done in a vacuum.
0: That is a thousand percent true. We talk about it all the time. Uh, I think the big one that r- just really shook me uh, this week was the Dalvin Cook. I've been saying it all off season. Like, so one of my guys in the in the NFL draft this year was Izzy Abanacanda. Certainly, you know, so I love him. He looked he's looked really good. We'll hit him here in a minute. Uh, Brees Hall certainly, um, you know, in a lot of ways, I thought was probably the RB two in dynasty based off of his situation you know, maybe despite the injury, uh, but he's cleared to play right now, which is crazy. Um, and so then you add Dalvin cook. I've got a lot of Dalvin cook, you know, shares where I'm thinking, Hey, you know, if he lands softly, I might have another year, maybe two of, you know, RB one or two, uh, you know, play. And now you take all three of those guys and all three of them have now a limited ceiling. I mean, maybe one of them has ceiling, but we don't know which one. It's obviously probably not. A, is he a band of Canada, but you know, all of their sort of, you know, elite outcomes have been sort of chopped. And so now you got to look at it and go, what the hell do I really have with any or all three of these guys? And uh, what, what is your take about what we should expect from Dalvin and Brees this year?
1: I think Brees is still especially redraft because obviously it's difficult to talk dynasty values until we see him out there. Yeah, that's the, that's a, that's the kind of player Brees is the kind of player at the moment. If I have, I'm just holding because we need more information than we have to feel comfortable either buying or selling at current prices that you can get out there for him, which, you know, it's, it's fine to trade on speculation. If you feel strongly one way or the other, go for it. You, there's no, I'm not telling you, you, you have to, to, well, know, on, it, hold on it
0: let's look at it. Let's look at it from a redraft standpoint. Cause I always think that looking at things from a redraft standpoint or from a football standpoint sort of gets us to our dynasty, you know, thought process. Cause dynasty, like you say, the trade's not always there. The situation sometimes just sort of trying to figure out what the fuck is going to happen. will tell you, okay, here's what I think is going to happen from a football standpoint that leads me to where I think I would draft these guys in redraft. And that sort of leads me to what decisions I might make in a dynasty setting. So I, I kind of, I don't know about you, but I kind of look at it that way because, you know, I can think about what I think the value is of a player, but if I'm not thinking about their situation and what the most likely outcomes are, I'm kind of doing it wrong from the beginning. And in that vein, what do you think is the most likely outcome with these two guys? I mean, is it a split backfield? Is it Dalvin, you know, is sort of the, the lead back, maybe Brees is inactive the first couple of weeks. I don't know, man. They say he's ready and, 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 you know, cleared for practice now. Um, I, I actually didn't notice if he played today, but like literally yesterday I read that. So, um, you know, by the time this comes out, there's probably going to be even a little bit more, you know, sort of Brees news as to whether or not he practiced in full, worked out on the side, et cetera. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts here?
1: Um, I think over this, the course of the season, I think they're both probably going to end up somewhere in that RB two territory, but I think that's partially going to be because early in the season, Dalvin's the vet. He's got fresher legs as Brees comes off the injury. And then I think at some point this season, they're going to put Brees back out there and have him in that full role that he had last year. So it kind of depends on how you look at when you want the jets, so to speak. Um, in best ball, obviously, they're both going to have RB1 weeks. I don't doubt that. In redraft, I think they're both going to have RB1 weeks. Uh, in dynasty, it's just kind of <laughs> who has the hot hand one week to another, and it's going to be really, really annoying for all of us involved. It's kind of like the, the Zeke Pollard situation last year where whoever it is you have, you wish got the ball just a little bit more. That's right. Uh, but the, the Izzy Abandekanda situation is tough because now you know he's not really going to get out there like you wanted and i think it tells you that poor michael carter is just dead in the water oh yeah like you absolutely need to see him in a different situation and you hope he lands on his feet but if you if you're rostering michael carter that's tough tough news because being the RB4 on a win-now team is not exactly the spot you want to be.
0: Yeah, it was it was pretty rough. Uh, I had picked up a lot of Bam Knight last, last season, and I played him in a lot, a lot of leagues where, you know, running back – the you know, you remember the running back landscape. Guys were getting – it looked like they were <laughs> at war. I mean, it were just oh, going yeah. down
1: left and right. It was you know? ugly, yeah. ugly last year.
0: <laughs> so Bam played a bit for me in a, in a few dynasty leagues, and, um, and, and then – I, I've dropped him. I mean, he's droppable. You know, uh, that, that has been the roughest thing. I mean, gosh, we, we, you know, we should have been selling Bam for sure. But yeah, it trickles down to Michael Carter, who I think is also now, uh, you know, never good. You know, it, it, it makes me think of, you know, going all the way back to the Pat Corain uh, podcast I did with him early in the off season, And we were talking a little bit and Pat was right. And, you know, I mean, it kind of stands to reason that Pat would be right because he told me that he did not think that the Jets, I think this was pre-draft, that the Jets did not see Brees Hall as a bell cow back. And all of their actions have supported that theory rather than the theory that me and so many of us have that Brees Hall is a bell cow back. I still believe he, quote unquote, is but it doesn't matter what the fuck I think. It matters what the Jets do and whether or not they give him bell cow opportunity. I am now a, a little bit nervous with Brees. I'm not willing to sell too, too low. I've had a couple of low, low ball offers for Brees, insta decline. Uh, he's still young. He's still that good. And we still likely will see Dalvin miss games. I mean, you know, as much as I'm a, a Dalvin stand, he sometimes misses games often misses games in, 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 during a season. Uh, so, you know, Brees will likely be given a full complement role at some point in, in this season. I don't, I don't love him in, in, uh, in redraft though, this year. I will tell you, he's probably on my, on my fade list. Just, you know, probably was there even before. I don't love the players coming off injury. Although there's a lot of them this year. Uh, what are your thoughts about Brees uh, being not viewed as a bell cow based off of the Jets decisions?
1: I mean, they tell you what they're doing. They tell you how they feel about each player with the money that they put in. And they're not signing Dalvin Cook for the money that they signed Dalvin Cook for unless they had a plan for him, unless they felt like they needed him for something, whether that is. And I mean, they're not going to come out there and say we needed him for five or six weeks and hoped to spell Brees as he comes back from injury. And they're not saying, you know, we signed him because we think our running backs suck. We're never going to get that information out of them until we actually see usage race week one, two, three, four then we can kind of get an idea of what they see of Brees Hall, how healthy he is, what we can view him as going forward. But it's tough to make a decision if you if you have shares of Brees Hall right now. It's tough to make decisions on what to do with him because we've seen what he can be when he's given that full workload. And I think they should at some point give it to him yet again. Um I don't know if that will be in the first half of this year. It'll be the back half of this year or maybe even into 2024 and beyond. But he absolutely still has value. It's not like we're talking about someone that's dead in the water simply because Dalvin's there. I think a big part of this is basically, hey, we don't know what what he's going to look like coming off this injury full time. Is he going to be ready for contact? immediately is he gonna be ready for a full snap share week one let's bring in a vet take some stuff off of his plate and i think a big part of this that no one's really discussing yet is i think rogers watched dalvin cook play a lot when he was in green bay and basically told everyone in that organization hey i've seen a lot of this dude play he's pretty fucking good yes like like we can go if we can go get him for next to nothing, which a one-year deal for what is he nothing. signed that's for right. is, is basically nothing. Yep. Even if he doesn't work out, it's not going it, to it's not going to be the detriment of this Jets team in any way, shape, or form. That's right. Even if he's an eight million dollar paperweight for them, but that's having right. him there to help out these young backs, whether it's Brees, whether it's Izzy, or even if they decide to bring back a Knight or or Michael Carter as that you know that fourth guy that's kind of playing special teams and doing other things. It's interesting to see that they went veteran, veteran at quarterback, running back in terms of the guys that they acquired, especially wide receiver and wide receiver, considering the guys that they're mentoring are so young. And I think a part of it might be if you're going to really make that push, your young players have to grow up almost immediately. And having those veterans that have been there, done that. Are, will probably be helpful in terms of hey guys we have a really special team here if we're going to do the things that we, we're setting ourselves out to do, you only get one or two cracks at this a career yeah like let's yeah. go fucking do this
0: yeah that, that that's right that's where they're at I think that's exactly right that's exactly what this Dalvin signing is they had the cap space I think if they could have gotten Devonte Adams they would have you know like they were they were trying to get just more they're loading up for the Aaron Rodgers run that's what they're doing and you know. They're not going to get some sort of, you know, they're not going to get Miles Garrett. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's, he's not available. Yeah. You know, I mean, if they could, they would. If they could get some awesome stud player at a, at a premium position, they would. But unfortunately, that's not available to them any longer. So, what is available to them? Well, it turns out that Dalvin's available and why not get him? We have the cap space. It's not a long term deal. It's this year only. So, it's really just does he help us win? Well, potentially, especially he helps you win if you know, Brees isn't ready or if Brees has a setback, we've seen it. We saw it with, with JK Dobbins. We saw it with Saquon Barkley. We saw it with Dalvin cook himself when he popped his ACL, that they often overcompensate for that injury and have other injuries like hamstrings and other soft tissue injuries because of, you know, atrophy and overcompensation, all those other things. Right. So I think that, that it's not unwise from a team building perspective for them to go get Dalvin cook. And I do think it's gonna be Dalvin early Brees late in the year type of stuff. I think, you know, that's that's just what we have to expect. But even in so far as it's Brees late, I still think it's gonna be 55-45 type of stuff. You know what I mean? Uh Dalvin, when healthy, will have a role in this offense, I think, undeniably, right?
1: And I, I think the the we'll see a lot early about what they think Dalvin can do for yeah. them because you have dynamic pass catchers, you have a really solid tight end, you have a lot of pieces in this offense that you like, it's not, they're, they're not going to lean on the running game super hard if they don't have to, but there will be times this year where they have to. And I think those games where it gets really tight late and you're trying to close out games with the defense and the run game and not put it all on 40 year old Aaron Rodgers and and you know Garrett Wilson and, and the crew, I think you're going to start to see, hey, this is the guy that we trust in that moment. And whether it's, a guy that's been a veteran in this league and has been great for a long time and Dalvin Cook that's coming in, learning a new system and figuring yeah. out how they do things in uh, in New York, or if it's Brees Hall who just comes back and reassumes the role as the guy. Uh, either way, I think they they feel much better about their situation right now in that they don't have a true unknown if Brees isn't ready to go week one.
0: Right. You know, all this running back talk, there was one I, – I, I'll just mention it. Well, you don't have to spend too much time on it, but um, – I, I'm sure you have some thoughts. Alex Collins, man. Jeez Louise. I, I, I woke up to that, I think yesterday morning and it was like, it just makes you think a little bit, you know, we talk about these players like, you know, their commodities and, you know, we had the Henry Ruggs situation. We have so many of these things that happen. I mean, Jordan Addison, we kind of chuckled a little bit because it kind of was a fart in the wind It kind of passed through and didn't nobody really noticed a little bit after a while. It's, he's not in too much trouble. He wasn't drinking. He didn't hurt anybody. But uh, Alex Collins, uh, this this past week, you know, crashed his motorcycle and entered an SUV and was was dead on the scene. And just brutal, brutal article for me to read and just kind of got me kind of got me thinking. I wasn't sure if you had any thoughts.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, born and raised in Columbus, Buckeye guy. We went through a similar situation last year with Dwayne Haskins. And it Mm -hmm. just seems like. Yes whether it's Dwayne, whether it's Alex Collins, you hear the story about who's Vincent Jackson was found not horribly long ago. It's just, you just hear all of these things. And you know, we love this game a hundred percent. We pay it all of our free time, all of our attention. We're thinking about it immediately afterwards in February, we're doing draft stuff. We think about it 24 seven. And this is the human side of it. Yep. Every now and then you get a moment where you realize, Hey, this is just a game. And obviously we're talking about when we're talking about dynasty content, we're talking about a game within a game within a game, (laughs) Yes, Uh, which obviously compared to to the life loss of, of a guy that, you know, was revered by all of his teammates, obviously ran hard. He had such a huge diehard fan base of guys that were just like, Hey, if you just, if, if you keep giving me Alex Collins, I'm going to keep taking him where where the prices are. But you know, it's just such a tragic loss. And, it happens all over the place to non-football players all the time. It's just a really sad and tragic reminder of of just how quickly everything can be taken away from you. Um, and, and it just you know it resets your perspective for a minute or two uh, without question as you read that, and then it you know you go through thinking about it for weeks, months, and years that go by.
0: Yeah, it was it was rough for me. I you know because it was I saw the Alex Collins you know, uh, whatever it was, the blurb. And I was like, oh, who signed? And it, it sort of hit me because it was like, oh my God, this is the worst case blurb. Like, whoa. It so it really got me because of course, I'm always looking at the blurbs with so much like, you know, happy like uh, anticipation. I'm like, Ooh, where'd he go? Who's, the? I mean, even if it's a n- nobody, I'm, I'm still excited to see who's going where. I love every transaction. And when I saw that one, it, it, it just really put me in my spot there for a minute because I was like, nah, this is, this is some real shit. So, you know, anyway, for for whatever it's worth, and it's probably not worth too much. Uh, myself and Anand and everybody that you know that 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 are associated with the Undroppables, uh, peace and prayers to uh, to Alex Collins and his family. Um, the the other running back signing that I think caused a lot of waves this uh, this past week was the Zeke signing to New England. Which, of course, me being a Boston guy, I've got the six one seven hat on here right now. Um, the, the the Zeke signing is half comical and yet half very, very real uh, for the New England Patriots. What are your thoughts in general on this signing? Uh, so Bill Belichick, eh?
1: Yeah, this is the most Bill Belichick signing of the offseason. Every year you get a couple, but this is the most Bill Belichick offseason signing ever, which yeah. is basically <laughs> the entire world thinks yeah. he's washed and that he's just a goal back and a short yardage guy. And if you don't want him as a short yardage guy and a goal line back, I'll take him as a short yardage guy and a goal line back. Yeah, and we'll see if he can do anything else. Because at the number they're paying him, even if that's all he is, mm-hmm. that's perfectly fine value for a guy like that. And yep, um, I I think it's hilarious that that's the landing spot after all the uh, after all the stuff that went down with you know his, his the end of his tenure in Dallas. But it's the New England backfield. Jackson you know you know exactly what that means you you have an idea but you never really know <laughs> there there's always there's always someone waiting in the wings that you've never heard of that's ready to take 40% snapchair for no reason and put up an RB one week any given week just for shits and giggles so we will have some Zeke spike week and Everybody that loves him is going to talk about how it's the next greatest thing ever, and he's back. And you know, everybody said he was washed, and then the next, the, the following week, it'll be back to Ramondre, or you know, some undrafted free agent none of us have ever heard of that's going to piss off everybody that rosters Ramondre in any yeah. kind of fantasy format. But uh, I mean, it's it's a depth signing, obviously, and yeah. and you know, it, he's still got something.
0: Here's my take on it, and and you can you can you can react to it after I give you my take. So, okay the 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 highest usage running backs in the NFL like the highest usage ones are like at 60 something percent nobody gets 90% i mean i think what james robinson did that once like you know it's like 90 that's an aberration like even the biggest usage running backs in the NFL we're talking about rush share how many rushes the team has how many rush attempts the team has versus how many rush attempts do, does the number one back get 60 something percent. Very few, if any, see more than 70. So if you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, 400, 500 rush attempts, you know, a a player who gets 200, 250, that's a lead back these days. You know, the days of 300, 385 rush attempts for, you know, the Derrick Henry stuff, that's an outlier. Maybe a back can approach 300. I would think that Chubb should start to flirt with 300 this year for sure. But like, I I had tweeted, Ramondre Stevenson you know, had 210 carries last year, you know, like in the, in the rest of the running backs had 146 at, in new England. Okay. So the way I see it is Zeke's basically coming for those one forty six. you know, I, if I were still handicapping this, I would say Ramondre somewhere in the 200 to 250 range Zeke in the 100 to 150 range. That's just kind of what I think. I still think Ramondre is a lead back. I don't think this hurts him as much. The Dalvin situation is a little bit different because it's like Dalvin actually is also coming for your lead back role too. I don't think Zeke is going to eat the lead back. He'll eat a lot, but he ain't going to eat that. Um, He will take, I think, goal line. There was a pretty uh, uh, wise and and sharp tweet that I had saw, which was goal line efficiency and Ramondre was toward the bottom. Zeke was toward the top. Yes, he's a very effective goal line back. So I think that's where he might take some. He's not going to take that pass down work. And if he's, you know, so I think it actually is fine for Ramondre because if you bring in Zeke and you say okay, Zeke's the the sort of the breather back, the 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 1B or the 1A, I think he's more likely to get rush attempts, less likely to get targets. When you had a guy like Pierre Strong who I thought was a little bit more of a mirage than anything, but if you did have him as the 1B, he's more likely to get targets than he is to get rush attempts. So I thought this is fine. If Ramondre can still hold, you know, a 10 plus percent you know target share plus 200 plus maybe approach 250 rush attempts i still think he's fine where where we're taking him you know at the 2 3 turn uh in redraft and his top 12 you know dynasty value i think you know i think it's all fine what are your thoughts
1: um i think it tells you speaks volumes to you about what running backs are relative to wide receivers anymore yes. the days of going rb rb to start a redraft drafter So so beyond us because I mean it (laughs) used to be the entire first two rounds are just basically running backs with a couple receivers sprinkled in and now it's the exact opposite. Yep. So given what we what we think out of these these backs and what they can do, rushing shares in New England are for a long time were kind of up in the air. It was you don't know who's getting anything, you don't know how to feel about it. It seemed pretty clear that because of what they have in Mac Jones and how they felt about it, that Ramondre would get the rushes necessary to be an RB one. And I think you can draft him comfortably at the two, three turn. If that's the guy that that you like in that tier, they're all, and uh, we talk about this a lot on our end every player that you rank when you go through and you do your, whether it's your dynasty, whether it's your redraft, whatever you have to be comfortable taking them in a tier as opposed to, Oh, he's my four over my five. Yeah. If he's the the player that you feel most comfortable in the tier that he goes in, I don't see any issue with taking him there, Yeah, but you've just got to understand there is the risk that Zeke falters that, that TD work that is so valuable, especially when you're talking about, you know, um, when you're especially when you're talking about leagues or or even situations where the Pats score twenty seven points and three of them are rushing touchdowns, yeah. that's going to be a tough scene. <laughs> that's yeah, going to be a tough day to be a Ramondre. I don't think it Romandre helped him draft
0: right. I don't think the Zeke signing was like, oh, that's good for him. I never thought that. I just thought that it's not as bad as like, oh, this is a death knell for. I don't see it that way. I just don't. You know, no. it's kind of like no, the, I mean, the Bigsby. Tank Bigsby and Travis Etienne, everybody's panicking about Etienne because Bigsby's good. It's like, well, you know, I think it was the same thing there. I think James Robinson had 100 and some odd, you know, carries. It's like, well, give all those motherfucking carries to Tank and we're still fine. You know, it's really who gets the pass down work anyway. You know, so that's where it's a little bit of a a concern for Etienne. But, you know, these are the things. So I look at the pass down work for Ramondre is still, I think, being there for him. Of course, there's a possibility that's incorrect. Um, I don't think he's going to see a hundred targets or whatever he saw last year, but you know, uh, it, 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 maybe he does. I mean, he was really good in that role. Let's face it. I,
1: I mean, I think you saw what he can be last yeah. year, and and it, especially when you've got the group of weapons that New England's rolling out there this right. year. It's not we're not we're not exactly talking about Cincinnati's receiver Listen, room. You don't, have to, gonna, you don't
0: have to be rude, okay? You're on a you're you know be respectful. Oh, I mean, I'm only teasing.
1: <laughs> I mean, you're not exactly talking about the uh, the 07 Pats out there.
0: No, so. although don't don't be rude again. again. If I can bring up the 18 and one. I mean, come on. I was <laughs> uh, I was beside myself that day that day. I, I don't even want to talk about it. You got me flustered here. Uh, uh, no, I think you're right on the money, though.
1: I'm, I'm uh, right. And I mean, I think more than even we can talk about last year was just a disaster because of the uh, the OC situation. Say what you want about Bill O'Brien, he's a legitimate offensive coordinator. Yes. And the thing is that's going to bring more value to the touches that Ramondre and Zeke get period than Here they you. had last year.
0: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And they I mean now they're in a division where they're going to have to score to win. Um you know, you, you right? I mean, Tua hopefully, I mean knock on all the wood. I hope he's I've always said I the last guy who ever cheers for injuries even to my biggest arch is – Nemesi? Nemesis? Mm-hmm. Arch, nemesis. Nemesis.
1: nemesis? I, I have no idea. I mean,
0: art. I think it's just nemesis again. It's like one of the, it's like uh, one of those words that the plural is the same. As is, the, is the same. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those. My art's nemesis. How many? I don't know. Could be one. Could be a thousand nemesis. Uh, I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to Google that. People are Googling right now in their car. Oh, don't, I'm sure. Don't crash. Don't crash. We're
1: gonna get cooked in the comments.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's nemesis. Um, right. But uh, yeah, like uh, you know. Derek Jeter. I never wanted him to get hurt. Maybe just a little ankle sprain or something, you know, Peyton Manning. I never wanted to see him get hurt. Maybe, you know, obviously I wanted Hightower to clean his clock, but you know what I mean? So um, what I do think this does, though, with Dalvin and Zeke kind of finding their spot is doesn't this kind of isn't this really good news for Tony Pollard and Devon A-chain?
1: Oh, I mean, Pollard is <sighs> RV one galore and in, in uh especially in in redraft right now yes and uh you know that's one of those guys that i'm perfectly fine with redraft cost you can even reach for him a little bit if yes. you want to uh in terms of redraft there's just no one there jack's like there's no one there's no one there to take anything away from him so i think we had him priced as a community correctly early earlier And even if someone had come in to take a little bit of that share, I just don't think he would have dropped very far because we saw how efficient he is with the touches that he gets. Now, the age-old question, can you be as efficient with more volume? We'll find out. But either way, efficiency is great. Volume is great. So if we get some blend of the two, he's going to be significantly better than he was last year. And last year, it was very, very good. So I have zero concerns about Pollard at ADP. A-Chain is is in just in a spot where there are so many guys. Like you've got you've got Mostert, and Wilson and and you know, we know how Mike McDaniel likes to do stuff down there, yes. which is it, it pick unconventional. Up, yeah, pick pick your week and yep. you're going to score 32 fantasy points. So he's going to be a great DFS player. Yeah. Uh, a couple of those weeks he's going to be a fantastic, you know, a bet him to lead the league in or in fantasy points one week or, or rushing yards or whatever it is. However it is you want to go about doing it, but he will absolutely have spike weeks. There's yeah. no question about it. And he's probably a redraft player because of the history of injuries to uh, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson. Yes, he's yes. a guy in redraft that at his price you grab and you stash. And when you know everybody else in your home league is like, "Who the fuck is that guy?" Yes. Be like, the pride of the Texas A and M Aggies.
0: <laughs> you know, I think I was on. I, I told we talked about a pre show. I was talking about the Yahoo uh, ADP, and I just became acquainted with the Yahoo ADP like um, this week. And you know, I was home. I was at, you know in Boston. I had my home league. We set it up. We did the draft lottery uh, in person. Lots of fun. Whatever. Yeah. So, and then I looked at the fucking ADP. He's like player one hundred and fifty.
1: Oh yeah. And, I mean, even if he does nothing but give you two spike weeks, like two big weeks, he'll pay off at ADP in, what what is that, round 14? It was unbelievable. He was like player
0: 150. I was like, well, that's not correct. You know, it's like, I mean, he's going so much higher than that and obviously best ball and all the rest of it. And he's a bit better of a player in best ball. But I'm totally fine with him being, especially the way I do my rosters in the redraft is, you're right, I'm going to hit all sorts of, you know, I'm going to have an elite tight end. I'm going to have an elite quarterback. I'm going to have two elite wide receivers. Maybe it's anchor running back. Maybe it's zero running back, but it doesn't really matter. I'm going to then smash running backs, especially high upside, late running back, Kenny Gainwell, A-Chain, all these guys that, you know, who knows what can happen, you know, and hope that one or two of them hit and become, you know, right. So I'm just looking for all that late upside. I mean, I don't need some, you know, some stiff, uh, you know, Whatever I can't even think. Of, I'm not going to insult any players, I mean, but you know, a run of the mill player uh, late in a in a redraft league does you no good. You know,
1: I, I mean, we we were touched on Madison earlier, and that's that's exactly the kind of guy that your casual players gonna be like, oh, he's gonna be really really good. He's and, gonna go in the
0: fourth round,
1: yeah. And so <laughs> you you take uh, Ty Chandler, Kenan Wangwu yeah. later, Dwayne McBride, however whoever it is among the three that separates themselves towards the end of camp. I think it's first Ty. of all. First of all, do your redraft leagues in early September, kids. This, do not do them while, while practice is still going on, while yeah. you've still got preseason games. If you're going to do a redraft league, this is a PSA to anybody. It doesn't matter how professional you are at this, if you're a casual listener or whatever. Do your redraft as late last, as possible as late as possible before that first game so yep. you have all the information involved because the last thing you want is somebody blowing up their team over a guy that you know tweaks something in the preseason and i totally now agree with this we angry do our people
0: we do ours the sunday night of the labor, uh, labor day weekend you know so yeah
1: it's a great time to do it
0: it's a great time to do it it's it, you know it's literally right before it and and i know people get the itch they want to do it sooner but for me i agree with you like You don't want to draft Herbert in a redraft league, and he blows out his knee or something. You are like, dude, what the whatever, dude. Yeah, I mean, season's
1: over before it started. Yeah, I don't
0: don't know. It sucks now, you know. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. And and it's a lot of people would be like, yeah, but I want to be ahead of the. I I get that, but you're going to be ahead if you're ahead. Because I was even talking like JSN and Addison are like, uh, they're they're like like picks 120 or something like that I'm like dude I'm going to take a bit like I I don't know what I'm going to take way way the hell ahead of ADP in, in the in the Yahoo uh redraft leagues can't wait um
1: yeah, but, I uh, mean the, the the funniest part about it, like it, you know, especially we do this all the time. We were talking pre show about this. Sometimes being a master of multiple formats makes you actively bad at ones you used to be good at. Yeah. We all got into this via re, via redraft, obviously, and then you know you you dip your toes in a dynasty or best ball or DFS or whatever it is, whatever the case may be, but looking at dynasty values forever as opposed to redraft values will probably make you a much worse redraft player so just looking at some of these adps of these guys that you know you've studied in and out dynasty or best ball are just wild and you know they're going to beat that in redraft you just don't know quite where to take them because obviously yahoo adp and espn adp and all of those guys um and the way that they set themselves up, that's a really, another really good reason to, you know, tune into the undroppables or player profile or wherever you get your rankings from import all of those. And obviously make the adjustments as you see fit, because again, we're here to help you. We don't want to draft your team for you. It should be your team. You should feel comfortable with the decisions made on draft day. Um, Obviously we're here to, that to help guide some of those decisions, but at the end of the day, you hit the draft button, not us. So be comfortable in taking your guy when you feel like it, especially because Yahoo ADP and ESPN ADP are way far apart on some of these guys, especially some of the younger guys than they should be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I tend to, when I rank uh, for redraft, I do rank in tiers. Um, I just think that that is absolutely the better way for me to see it. You know, like uh, e- even in redraft right now, like my my um, my running back tiers, it's like Christian McCaffrey is one tier. And then I've got that second tier of Eckler, Chubb, Barkley, Pollard, and Bijan. To me, that's one tier. That's why I'm okay, like fading into the second round because I know I'm going to get one of those guys in the second. I don't need to draft them in the first, and so that's why I see it that way. Yada yada yada. Right? I may prefer Pollard to you know the other guys or whatever, but I kind of would be okay with any one of those five: Eckler, Chubb, Barkley, Pollard, Bijan. You know? So yeah, that's exactly right. And I think um, you know that's just. Do you agree with that? By the way
1: yeah so the way that i do it actually and i have done it for the past couple of years because it took me a while to kind of refine my own processes i'll go through and do the whole spreadsheet thing figure it all out on excel and then i will do the same thing i'll color code into tiers and basically i'll mark them off as they get taken and your goal is to either you're basically my goal in drafting is to get the last player that i'm comfortable with in any of those tiers that that we've separated. So if i get the the bottom, you know, tier 2 running back and the bottom tier 2 wide receiver, i'd much prefer that to a high end tier 2 wide receiver and a tier 3 running back. Yeah. on my end. So exactly. it's basically just can you get both of guys in both tiers as opposed to f- forcing yourself down one or the other? That's right. And if you know you're going to have to force yourself down one or the other, it's probably easier to replace an RB two than it is a wide receiver too That's right. At this point. So. Yeah,
0: that's right. I'll, so I'll ask you some, some quick ones. So who do you prefer right now in redraft, Jonathan Taylor or Ramondre Stevenson?
1: I will still take Taylor based on, I think what they will give him in terms of of snap share because I don't think they're going to have Anthony Richardson throw the ball 25 times, and they've got to convince people that Mac Jones is that guy in New England. So I think Mac Jones is going to throw more passes this year than he did last year, and I think Anthony Richardson's going to dial that pass game way down from what they had last year. So give me Jonathan Taylor just at value right now.
0: I agree with that. Uh, th- here's another one: if you if you think Ramondre slipping a little further, who do you prefer, Ramondre Stevenson or Najee Harris for 2023?
1: I think they're right there. They're too. Yeah, basically they're, they're basically take your pick of a guy. That's it's exactly one of those situations where if you're a Steelers fan, if you're a Pats fan, there's no wrong answer there. It's six of one half dozen of the other. To they, me, are they are super close, aren't they? They're literally right there. So it's it's up to you. That's one of those on draft day. Make that decision and. You know, you're you're not really going to go wrong either way. I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. If there's the two
0: last guys in in the tier, and you're going to take a running back, which one are you taking?
1: I'm probably taking Najee, just known volume and no threat. There you go. But but they're right, like literally right there.
0: All right, here's another good one. You're going to like this one: Travis Etienne or Brees Hall.
1: Give me Travis. Me too. Give me me Travis, and uh, and I might have even said that before the Dalvin signing. Um, it's just the Jags offense is going to create such valuable touches for Travis in ways that the jets can get away with just kind of throwing the ball to Garrett and and (laughs) saying, get out the way. Um, I expect huge things out of Jacksonville's offense because we've already seen the quarterback. We've already seen the O-line. We've seen the running back. We've seen two of the receivers. We've seen the tight end. And now you're giving them a true number one in Calvin Ridley. That's a different scenario than, the Jets are hoping that all the pieces come together. I feel much better about ETN this year than I do about Brees Hall.
0: Jacksonville, very, very, well, I don't know about very, very, a dark horse Super Bowl team here because, I mean, the AFC is loaded, I know, but they've got a pretty good shot to win their division, which should mean that they're in the playoffs, hosting a playoff game potentially and probably. So uh, Jacksonville could find their way uh, into the into the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts there?
1: Um, they're my favorite when Matt and I talked about it, they are my favorite them and the dolphins are my two dark horse AFC teams. Cause I think everybody kind of understands the Ravens are going to be better this year. Yeah. So they're, the Jacksonville and Miami are the two that are kind of not discussed as, do you guys see what they've done to these rosters? Cause yeah. those are not the same teams they were two years ago no. when, when, uh, when, when these quarterbacks are drafted. So, uh, Jacksonville, I think is a great upside play across the board. I'm buying Lawrence at cost last off season, He was the clearest buy at any position for me, Yes, sir. QB 18 prices last year. Insane. That doesn't make sense. It yep. never made sense. Um, Ridley based on how he comes back this year could be a buy. I just, that's, that's a lot of risk involved in a guy that basically hasn't taken a snap in two years. Uh, But I love everybody in that offense, basically where they're going, because I think that offense is going to take a significant jump forward, even from what they did last year. And last year, they're pretty damn good.
0: Yeah, everybody there is going to be good because Trevor is awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, me. that's basically what it boils down to. Yeah. It's the reason that you keep drafting Mike Williams and Keenan Allen because Herbert's awesome.
0: That's right. That's right. No, it's true because, I mean, yeah, obviously Burrow has Chase and Higgins and they're awesome, but they're more awesome because Burrow's awesome, right? I mean, in yeah. other words, these guys are great. And you, I think these are three – look, Trevor Lawrence is a full two years younger than than these guys. I, I, he has immense upside. I've I've said it. This is a question I should ask you. I don't know if you ever heard me ask it, but – okay. The league resets, okay? No team has any players on their team. And you get to draft the first pick of the draft. You get the first player in the league on your team. Who are you taking?
1: It's still going to be Pat.
0: Obviously, right? It's not even close to me. To me, that is the easiest button push ever for me. Patrick Mahomes, 1.01, put him on my team. He is the queen chess piece. He I think is the single greatest football player to ever play, insofar as like he gives his team the biggest chance of winning that I've ever seen in league history, right?
1: Yeah. I mean it's it's the 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 comebacks are crazy. He's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, he's he's, he's a one-of-one. One. We'll never see another guy like that. Appreciate him while he's here, even if it's going to suck to play against him. It's kind of the same <laughs> thing that we saw with Brady, where people are like, why the fuck is this guy winning so much? I hate so him. I'm like, I no. Hate him. Like, yes. like, you need to appreciate what you're watching because you're not going to see it ever again.
0: And, and Brady won without being as like athletically prolific, which was pretty awesome. But like, even Mahomes has such... like. You know, even the game where his offensive line was so bad, like Brady would have lost that. uh Would they play? I can't remember on uh, the Super Bowl where they
1: uh, Tampa. Tampa. They played right? Brady. They
0: played Brady. They played. If, played if, you, Brady. if you just swap those, Brady would have lost. He would oh, have. Oh, that done-
1: game at 65-0. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? That was. That well, was. I mean, they didn't give him a shot in hell. I mean, if you go back, I beg everybody, and there are there are a couple things that I that. Stake flags on where I'm like, hey, like I know you didn't watch this the way you should have. Right, that's one Pat's Pat's performance in that game, oh, and then so anybody good. that's my age, I'm 30, but anybody that's my age or younger, go back and watch Dan Marino. Yes, because that's a that that's something where quote unquote the old heads will tell you about, and they're like, oh, Dan Marino was great. No, 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 go watch him. That that dude he, looked he like was he was so playing good a too. different he sport. Made, he
0: made he had Mark Duper and Mark Clayton. He didn't have. There was no, I mean, he was outstanding. He was unbelievable. But yeah, you're right. Patrick Mahomes' performance in that game is so underrated. He literally was catching shotgun passes and then sprinting to the sideline. Like he didn't set, he would just catch it and sprint because he knew he had fucking no chance and just hope to make a play on the run because the pocket was not going to be there. He knew that ahead of, dude, he was so good in that game. He gave his team a, a little bit of a chance to win that game, even though they had no chance to win that game. I still think that is one of the greatest performances I've ever seen, especially at a losing effort at Super Bowl. The throw he made when he was vertical hit the dude in the fucking helmet. In the
1: face mask? Yes. Yeah. Oh, dude. I, I think one of the things that, that people were worried about with Mahomes coming out of Texas Tech, and obviously a lot of it is going to be revisionist history in that class between him, Trubisky, Watson. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, why didn't Pat go 101? I'm like, dude, none of you watched him at Texas Tech because he wasn't this Right. There were flashes of this, That's right. but you saw in that Super Bowl when he was asked what he was asked to do at Texas Tech is basically play hero ball. Yeah. And there are really two kinds of quarterbacks. There are the quarterbacks that when you ask them to play hero ball can look like Mahomes did in that game or yes. like Allen has looked in playoff games for the Bills. And then there's the exact opposite where you get what 2021 and 2022 Carson Wentz looks like where there is a strict tier break in talent yeah. on what you can get away with. And if you don't have Alan Mahomes talent, it's tough to get away with trying to play that way. Those two are just absolute super freaks. And we're really lucky to have, have them for as long as we're going to have. them.
0: So then the, the, the question was after you pick Mahomes first, which is, which is a clear cut. I think then the, the second team has a decision to make, or do you think they don't have a decision to make?
1: I think their decision is basically amongst four. There we go, guys. I, I think there are four guys there that you could you could make a strong argument for. Go and ahead. let's and hear I, who they I, are. And I would I'll remove Lamar Jackson from this simply because I think long term the way that he plays is not going to allow him to play as long as these other four. But he absolutely belongs in that tier as a player. I agree, but. But if you consider longevity, the four guys you're deciding between are Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence.
0: Yes, correct. I think so, Trevor Lawrence is in that tier In a, from an NFL standpoint. He is. He's not there yet, by the way. He hasn't performed as well as those guys for as long, but he's also way fucking younger. Like, of course he hasn't. But, you know, I think he's in that tier. I, I totally agree. I, I don't know if I could push the button. At uh, uh, 102, I, maybe though, I might be able to. I,
1: I who are you more I
0: confident in being a pro in 10 years? Like, just he is the real fucking deal.
1: the The thing for me is quarterback is so mental, and the the, the decision to me would be among Allen and Burrow. Um yeah. Not because I don't think Herbert and Lawrence can do it. Yeah, I, th- I absolutely think they can, and I think at some point both of them probably will yeah. at least get to a Super Bowl, if not win one. The thing about burrow is it's all a it's all upstairs he is a quarterback's quarterback yes he is a head coach's dream because he does what he's supposed to do All the time. So your choice is between that guy who is one of the most cerebral football players I've ever seen versus generational super freak Josh Allen, who just does things that no one that doesn't wear 15 in Kansas City or 17 in Buffalo not only can do now, but has ever done. That's right. I mean, he's sidestepping and hurdling dudes. And it's the reason that the Colts take a shot on a guy like Anthony Richardson is if you can take a guy that has the physical tools to do things that nobody else can do and you can even rein him in a little bit as a passer and Allen's developed into something that, that even i who was super high on him coming out even i didn't think he could be this right. as a passer but it's proof that you know if you get the right group of guys around someone and you trade for and you have a legitimate one and you give him an offense that he can fit within most of the time, but break structure and do special things outside of, you can get, end up with a really special end product that even the guys that were highest on him really didn't think that you could. It's chasing the upside and I totally get it. And the funniest part about it is Trevor Lawrence was such an easy eval. There, there was no, you didn't really need to do a whole lot of nuanced work. It's literally throw on the, the national championship game against the Nick Saban defense as a 19 year old.
0: Absolutely. And, and and you know, the interesting, like uh, Josh Allen is basically like Cam Newton plus John Elway or whatever.
1: You know what I mean? It's yeah, like- it's it, it's if you built a quarterback in a lab, they look a lot like Josh Allen. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, because I mean, he's able to just- he's
0: able to shed guys like that's the one thing you're absolutely right. Like his rushing upside is real. Um, he's not as accurate and, you know, formulaic as guys like Herbert and. Trevor Lawrence, you know, in Burrow, of course, you know, but like, he's just got this extra something, you know, he's obviously got the big arm. He's a fucking competitor and a winner too, you know? Um, yeah. It, it, it'd be, that'd be such a fun discussion to have uh, who you're going to take. Cause you know, at that point you're trying to win that year, but you also are setting up your franchise for the next 10, 15 years with the right guy. Obviously you can't go wrong, but when you're on the clock with that choice, uh, it, it's a tough one. I just think that Trevor Lawrence is in that conversation. I've sort yes. of said it more boldly. Like I'd take them second overall just to make people think about it. But you know, with the real conversation, it'd be really hard to take almost anybody there. You'd be like, Oh my God, which one, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think,
1: I think most NFL GMs tasked yes. with the one Oh two, just, this is my personal opinion. I think most of them would press the button for Burrow because that's mm. the most known commodity in terms of results oriented. Mm. But if I think if you're chasing the upside, which it seems like that's what you're doing in the draft, yes. then you take Allen. Yeah. And if you're going longevity, then you take Trevor Lawrence because he's probably gonna be in that class very, very soon if he's not already. Yep. And Herbert is just kind of the guy that blends all the things. You yeah. get the playmaking of an Allen, you get the accuracy somewhat, it's not quite Burrow-esque, but it's more accurate than Allen. And you you get some of these traits that, you know. My comp for Trevor Lawrence was Justin Herbert plus. Yeah. So if if he gets there, which I think he will, you're talking about a guy that absolutely deserves to be in that top five discussion. And that is actually a really good one. Yeah. I don't think I think based on the way NFL GM's draft, I think they would take Josh Allen. Totally. But I think gun to their head, it's actually your franchise, not a hypothetical. That's I think right. they'd take Burrow.
0: Yeah, it's, it, that's right. It, it's hard because, you know, you, you have to do some projecting if you're really thinking about it. You know, what does happen to player X? And I, the injury part of it is kind of a concern. You know, how long does this shelf life of this player last? And I agree with you on Lamar. If, if we're only saying, hey, it's three years and then we reset again. Maybe it's Lamar too. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Special, special football player.
0: Right. Don't don't you kind of agree with that? Like if it's three years and everything resets again, this whole conversation changes again. And I actually think if that's the case, then Trevor Lawrence maybe isn't there, because I think if you're talking specific three year windows, Josh Allen and Lamar, maybe I guess Burrow still. My God, we're so blessed. What do you think about the three quarterbacks that were drafted? uh, Bryce, CJ and Anthony Richardson. I was talking with Ray G on Twitter a little bit, and I'm like, dude, I just want them all to be fucking awesome because it's so much better when, like, you know, when you watch a game and it's Burrow versus Herbert, you're like, all right, man, let's go. Yeah, let's you know, strap in. This is going to be awesome, do right? this, right? You know, you so yeah. want to watch these games. You hate watching a game where it's like, you know, just a fucking blowout and Davis Mills is on the other side. So I want them all to hit their ceiling. Are we that lucky or are we likely to see some busts out of this class too?
1: I think – Bryce and CJ were drafted to to situations where they're going to be, they're going to have teams built around them to succeed. It feels much more like Anthony Richardson was put into a spot where the Colts had a plan that was our team is good enough to win. Now we're going to put an insert veteran quarterbacks and that plan failed. So I think it's going to take Richardson a little longer to come along from the team side of things, not necessarily in terms of his own production and in terms of what he can be, but his team is going to require more turnover in the next two or three years in terms of getting guys out and cycling guys in than the other two will. Um, But if they all hit, if they all hit, that's going to be an all-time, all-time quarterback class. We know what CJ is, one of the most accurate quarterbacks we've ever seen in college. We know what Bryce is, and the word is magical. The hope is that that they build him enough of an O-line that he doesn't have to survive and do the insane things that he did at Bama just to get them wins. I mean, yeah. everybody wants to discuss, oh, uh, you know, Alabama's receivers are always awesome. And I mean, as an Ohio State fan, Ohio State's receivers are always awesome. <laughs> yeah, and CJ exactly. CJ had three great ones. Like, yes. there, there's no no question about it. But all of that being said, the way that you go about this is – Offensive line, Bryce, yeah. Bryce had to carry a lot for Alabama. He showed he's capable of doing that. Yeah. Can you do that at the NFL level? That is an entirely different order to ask. Yeah. Ask my my concern make- with
0: Bryce is that frame, right? I mean, yeah. it's just like, you know, we talked about it with Josh Allen. We're like, dude, dude's a dude's not going to get hurt. Like the same thing with Trevor, by the way. That's one of the reasons I like him. He's six six. Like he's yeah. he's really well built. He's very very smart. You know, and and that's the thing with with Bryce being you know five ten and and slight you know, I get a little bit concerned, you know, in a game where there's, you know, six, six, 270 pound guys who can run a four five, you know, it's like, that's dangerous. Yeah. You know, it yeah. just is even a guy just falling on you, you know, the, the sort of, you get sacked and a guy just lands on you separated shoulder. You know, we've seen it so many times with these quarterbacks, you know, um, and, and it feels like he's going to be more brittle in those ways. Not that he's not tough, not that he's not, all, I think he's amazing. I just get a little bit concerned with the frame. I certainly don't have any concern. You know, the, the other thing that always happens, right? It's like, it's makeup. You know, I just watched the Johnny Manziel thing, right? Did you oh, see yeah. it? Did you see oh, yeah. It? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So it's like, it's all makeup. You know, these guys are built a certain way and they're wired a certain way. And you're talking about literally trying to accomplish one of the hardest things to accomplish in the world. Become an elite NFL fucking quarterback? Are you kidding me? You know how hard that is. Like it's like it's it's almost
1: impossible, <laughs> right?
0: It's almost impossible. So the makeup has to be there too. So there's just so much that has to go right. Never mind what can go wrong.
1: Yeah, and I think the the thing is when and I was having this conversation with someone and during draft season. I think this was before the Colts took him. Um, and. They were asking, you know, like, what are your opinions on potentially Anthony Richardson being the number one overall pick? And my answer was, I would not do it, but I understand. Because if you're going to miss on quarterback, more than half of first round quarterbacks are busts anyway. Right? If you're going to miss, you can afford to miss on the guy that's 6'4", can throw the ball a country mile (laughs) and is built like an outside linebacker like running a four, four, like what, what are we talking about here? (laughs) Right. There, there were people that were, that were, you know, like, Oh, he can be Cam Newton. I was like, do you understand that Cam Newton ran a four, five, seven, and that Anthony Richardson is in the four fours. (laughs) Yeah. Like that is not just long speed either. Like the man is fast. I, I ask, ask, go back and ask Utah's defense, which is a really good defense, by the way, that's not a joke. Uh, Go ask them about trying to chase him down because I mean he was. If, if we get anywhere close to seeing what Anthony Richards' ceiling is, he's going to be a really really good football player yeah. for a while. He's time.
0: pretty he's pretty tantalizing. He made a great throw uh, on that uh, on the corner route. Uh, it was dropped.
1: Thanks course. thanks Alec Pierce.
0: Yeah exactly. It was God dropped. damn it! <laughs> it was not touched either. It was just in his hands. He dropped it. Um, but you know those are the types of throws when you see him make that throw in his first preseason game. Unlike. Trey Lance, who was, you know, just checking everything down and looked a little bit deer in headlights. I mean, Anthony Richardson has a lot of learning to do, but he was hitting windows with with crossers on play action. He was hitting, you know, corners. And, you know, I, I think that Anthony Richardson shows some things. He showed in college that he has pocket awareness. He obviously has athleticism. You know, he's got a lot to learn. I think it's going to be a big time struggle season for him. I, I don't I don't suspect he's going to be awesome this year because there's going to be a lot of things that 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 are done to confuse him, but he's going to have some moments and I think he's going to be okay. And it's whether or not the makeup is good enough, which by all accounts, it sounds like he does have the right makeup that, that much we are hearing, of course, you know, fuck man, we've heard this before. So I I don't get too excited about, about the makeup until we see it. But um, hopefully, you know, hopefully he does it. Everything that I, I I look at with the quarterback anatomy series is like, he's a bust. Um, But I just, I'm too tantalized. I can't call him a bust. I can't come on these airwaves and say, I think Mm -hmm. he's going to bust. I I just think there's so much that we don't know about quarterback evaluation or that we can't see or that we can't know. And that even NFL GMs can't see and understand and know that it's just too hard to figure out.
1: Yeah. I mean, Anthony is the kind of prospect that you have to understand. It's going to take him a year and you're going to see he's one of those guys that you project as a year two to year three jump or year three to year four jump in terms of that true breakout year that we talk about. He's going to show you a lot of flashes. Um, Josh Allen was in a similar boat. I don't think he's quite there yet. And I mean, I hate comping anyone to Josh Allen cause he's kind of a unicorn situation, but yeah. you're also talking about a unicorn prospect here. This is not Malik Willis. I'm sorry to everybody that wanted to be like, Oh, here's a guy with tools. There is a gigantic difference between doing it in the sec and doing it at Liberty. Yes. There wherever is a, the fuck
0: Liberty is right. Exactly. Like, yeah. like
1: that is a giant <laughs> difference there. They're, they're, they're not even comparable really. But the thing about Anthony that I think nobody really talks about is he takes information in, in the way that a quarterback does. And it's really important to separate Anthony Richardson, the athlete from Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, Anthony Richardson, the quarterback gets better every time you give him something to chew on. And yes, there are going to be a lot of growing pains. He just needs snaps. He doesn't know what he doesn't know yet in terms of live ball. But he's willing to learn, and I think he will learn. I think he will develop into something that's that's significantly better than what you see right now, where right now what you see are bits and pieces of what could be a really good quarterback. And I think he's going to put it together at least to be – if a competent, if not better quarterback than, than, you know, people see him as, but if he ever gets close to that ceiling, man, that's going to be a fun
0: player. Well, well, Anand, we've seen some of this stuff though. We, we, you know, I, I, I've, I'm the leader of the Josh Allen is an outlier fan club. I've said that many times. However, we also saw this with Jalen hurts. Jalen hurts took, two big gigantic steps in the last couple of seasons. I know a lot of people will say, yeah, he had a good team around him. Well, yeah, it helps to have a good fucking team around you. Yeah, of course. (laughs) But um, he took the steps nonetheless. Um, So Jalen Hurts took the steps. We saw Josh Allen take the steps. We've seen other quarterbacks that are even unlike these two guys, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, who didn't play his his rookie season. Trevor Lawrence just took a gigantic step. I, I, I said he took a gigantic step just last year. Uh, first half of last year, second half of last year, he took a step. Daniel Jones, small step here with good coaching. I mean, we're seeing some of these guys actually start to take some of these steps forward as players.
1: Yeah, uh, the the biggest thing is... Um, I think Jalen also would be in that discussion for those guys that we were talking about at this as the top five guys that you take. Some of that obviously has to do with, with the guys around them and, and the team that they've built around him. but that's the purpose, right? You don't want your quarterback to have to do everything. We've seen what it looks like when your quarterback has to do everything and the results aren't pretty. Yeah. Uh, building a team around a guy and playing to his s- strengths is a big part of getting the most out of a guy period. And when you look at the development of a Jalen hurts, He got better every single year. He was not a polished passer as a a freshman at Bama. Sophomore year, he got better. Junior year, he got better. Senior year at Oklahoma, he got better. And then, you know, he came into the league as a guy that they thought, you know, worst case scenario, he can develop into a QB2 for us. And we know that Carson has injury history. And if he completely busts, we have this kid that we can throw out there. Well, yeah. Jalen goes out there at the end of year one and there are some questions and then he starts a full year in 2021. And there are, you know, there are signs of life. The kid looked really good at moments and not so great at others. That's exactly and the, right. And the big question is, you know, he's a, he's a second round pick. So historically that those haven't worked out well, but... That also means that your rookie deal is a three plus one instead of a four plus one like you get in the first round. And so they had to make a decision on Jalen a year early. And Matt and I talked about it last year where it's, hey, like you have to have a succession plan if he doesn't work out because your options next, you know, not just next season, but beyond are either pay him or let him go. No, they're fine. You- they have,
0: they have uh, Tanner McKee. He's fine. Yeah,
1: be yeah. And, and and now you're sitting here talking about Jalen yeah. as a top five quarterback. Yes. And I mean, across the board, That's right. people kind of unanimously believe that he is now. Well, go look at what he was one year ago. And, yeah, you've and I think, to give them time. Concept, I think the
0: proof of concept will be uh, Justin Fields this year, too. If yeah. he's able to take a step forward, um, then I'm, I'm going to start to feel a little bit more confident in projecting Anthony Richardson to do the same in the years to come, because I, I do think you're going to see some you know it's going to be a lot like that Jalen Hurts first year where, well, and if, I, if he's lucky, I, that'll be how, how good he looks. But I think I, there's going to be some starts and stops with, with Anthony Richardson this year.
1: I think that the other part of this that needs to be discussed is Brian Dable, uh, in when, when he was the offensive coordinator for the Bills, did so much in bringing along Josh Allen for and, sure. And, and Mike Kafka deserves a lot of credit there too. And similarly, when we talk about Jalen Hurts, Shane Steichen deserves a lot of credit there. Nick Sirianni deserves a lot of credit there. And now Shane is the guy that gets to go in and develop an Anthony Richardson. And that gives me more confidence simply because he's a guy that's already done this with a guy that had a lot of tools that you like that, you know, you sat there and asked the question, well, can Jalen Hurts turn into a real QB one guy that you can believe in? The answer is obviously now, yes, we've affirmed that in a big way, but at the same time, his coach that that tur- that helped turn him into that is now tasked with doing the same with Richardson, but th- he is one of the few that actually has done it before. Now Luke Getze is tasked with doing that with Justin Fields here in Chicago, but he hasn't quite done that before. The yes. thing that gives me so much hope for Anthony Richardson is Shane Shane's already done it with yeah. Jalen. So it's a lot of the, uh, the import, some of the processes and see how it goes.
0: Well, if you believe that, you know, a good coach can mend a quarterback with immense upside. Then you must believe in the guy that I'm about to pour one out for. Ready? Listen, here it comes. I do this all the time. Oh, pour it out for Trey Lance. Am I right?
1: Yeah, it's over. And and the thing is, it's, it's not his fault. And I feel bad for him because he just needed much like Anthony Richardson. The kid just needs snaps. And whether it's at the NFL level, the college football level, the XFL level, whatever it is, he needs to learn how to play quarterback at the professional level and take the bullets and figure out how all that works live. There's no amount of practice reps that are going to get him ready for the live bullets when they're fired. And it's not his fault. He was put into a situation where he got hurt. He hasn't played a full season since I think what is it, freshman year of college. Yeah. Which we're now what four years from. Yeah, dude. It's crazy. I mean, he's,
0: he's I, had he's had four hundred and twenty career pass attempts since uh, since two thousand seventeen, but I, I someone had put out that he had ninety nine pass attempts as a high school player. So that means that he's had five hundred and nineteen pass attempts, fucking ever.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's just that there are a lot of things to like about what Trey Lance could be and what he might end up being. But if Kyle Shanahan can't get that out of you, oh buddy. Like yep. you're in you're in for a rough sequence. And I think um there's another one that we thought was a developmental guy that had some tools, and you're you can just watch certain guys and see they've got it or they don't. Yeah. And it's it's a really interesting uh study in what makes a good quarterback because yeah. the answer is. Uh, what's upstairs yeah. you can have all the physical gifts in the world if you don't have it up top it doesn't matter yeah and nothing played that out more than if you watched the browns preseason game when kellen mond who was kind of one of these project quarterbacks coming at AM where you liked a lot of the size you liked some of the tools that he had chris sims quarterback three Chris Sims, quarterback three, and then you watch Dorian Thompson Robinson, who uh, ju- yeah. again, like Jalen Hurts, got better every single good. year that he was at UCLA. Yep. There is a drastic difference between what those two looked like, and Mon's been in the league for three or four years now. He's not yep. new. He wasn't wet behind the ears like DTR was, and Dorian was firing stuff in there yep. and, and and you know making plays and showing off the arm strength that. Very, very few human beings on earth possess.
0: Yeah. And when you but, watch the the UC, UCLA-USC games, it was like he kind of – he didn't have what Caleb had, but it was like it, you were at least watching a competitive match, so to speak.
1: You, right. And and the thing is, Joe Burrow is never going to have what Mahomes has in terms of physical talents. And I don't think that anybody is ever going to possess the quote-unquote magic that Caleb has. Right, But – If you have a guy that has what I would call a rail gun for an arm that not only can make all the throws, but knows how to make all the throws, isn't just throwing fastballs every time because he has the cannon. One of the biggest problems that you have with super strong armed quarterbacks, guys that we would consider plus NFL arms, is they can afford to be late, so they fall into the habit of being late, and occasionally you get burned a couple times just because you can throw every ball 55 miles an hour doesn't mean you need to, you have to learn how to throw a touch and anticipation and, and the little things that go along the yes. nuances of playing quarterback as opposed to, Oh, I have a strong arm That's just right. because you can make every throw doesn't mean that you should make every throw. Zach Wilson, And so, yeah, Zach Wilson is a great example. And so, Is he's one of those guys, ZTR is one of those guys where you look at and you say, okay, this is not just a project that has no upside that, you know, we're resurrecting from zero. There are things to work with here. And those are the guys historically that make it while a guy like Trey Lance, where you are really starting from zero is the real true toughest project. And if Kyle can't do it. That is a really, really, really tall order.
0: This is like the most fun conversation ever. We're, we're getting close to when we're running out of time. We could go fucking all day. Now you people are understanding why I wanted to have Anand Duri on the show. He's fucking awesome. Uh, he's kept the swearing to a minimal. and nor- Maybe it's just he's not drinking. I mean, I, I'm starting to drink, so hopefully I can get him to go. But uh, Anand, you're amazing. We've gotten onto this quarterback tangent. It wasn't on the show sheet. And that's why I love you, because I knew we would do this. I knew we would just find some stuff that we want to talk about. That was awesome. I could go forever. But I do want to ask you, Javante Williams is going to play on Saturday night? Is that right? Like, Or Saturday day, whenever the fuck? I can't believe this kid is going to be able to play in a competitive game. It, it doesn't even make any sense. Like, Are injuries now fake like the salary cap?
1: No, Uh, Javante is is a uh, is a guy that that I am all in on at the prices that he's out there at right now, because everybody is concerned, is convinced that the Broncos offense is dead and that no one can fix them. But if anybody can fix them, going back to our coach tangent, Sean Payton can fix them if anybody can. And Russell Wilson can be horrible still and Javante Williams can still have more value than he's going for right now those things are not those things can be mutually exclusive they don't necessarily have to be tied to one another you would obviously love for Russ and the offense to score a lot more points so Javante has a lot more of those opportunities to get you six as opposed to one and a half but you know it is what it is the offense is going to be what the offense is going to be but we've seen what Sean Payton running backs given full workloads and full volumes, even when it was Ingram and Kamara in New Orleans, they were both borderline RB one certain years. So he's going to have a lot of standalone value that I don't think people are quite giving him um, in terms of where he's being drafted. And then obviously, given that information, Samaje Pirine also has some value especially as a guy that you stash late in the off chance that Javante does reaggravate aggravate something. Yeah. Maybe he comes back too early, but both of them, I think at ADP are big buys for me right now.
0: I've been fading a bit of Samaje. I thought he was going a little bit too high, but I understand what you're saying. But Javante now, I mean, Javante is one of my favorite players, by the way, like great player. So you just talk about like, we're just talking about football. Like there's certain guys like Kittle and Debo, and there's just certain guys you're like, dude, that's my, those are my guys. Like Javante is one of those guys. Like he's one of my, Favorite football players, and I—I I, I don't know if I should be cheering that he's going to play on Saturday night, or if I should be like, "Why are they rushing him back?" I'm not sure how I should feel about it as a fan of him as a player and a person. But I'm amazed. I am—I—you I, know—every year it's like you know the, the Achilles thing. Acres is back. It's like these these guys, the medical marvels that that are happening, and the, the hard work these guys have to put in to rehab to get back is is just. It's staggering. I, I mean, I can't imagine it. Uh, and so, I'm wondering how high we 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 should be looking at Javante Williams in in a redraft sense. Like, in other words, you know, he goes in that area, or at least I have him in that area. Where like Rashad White, Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce, Aaron Jones, right? Okay, this little group. Now, are you taking him ahead of all those guys? Among those guys? After those guys?
1: Um, I'm taking him. Obviously, I have my favorites among that tier, but I'm taking him right among them. Um, if you if you want to take him over over Chad White, that's fine. If you want to take him over an Aaron Jones, I have no problem with it. He is firmly in that tier. Absolutely, I think Damian Pierce is going to be another one where people are probably a little surprised about the volume that he actually gets. But all of these guys are basically volume based. RB late RB1, early RB2s, depending on where you look at them. Right. And they're going to be perfectly fine. These are your if you're if you're stuck in, you know, you're in a redraft league and you're like, oh shit, my wide receiver tiers are gone. You'll be perfectly fine with any of them. I don't think there's one that I love significantly more than the others. They're kind of grouped in that. A couple of these guys are going to break out, but there's no way to know who until, you know, week five of the season. So, you know, you could throw lottery stabs at a couple of them and see if you, if you come up with two winners as your RB1s. But, um, Javante, especially coming back from from the injuries that he's coming back from, they're going to lean on him at some point this year. I think, I think we're looking at a similar situation to a Brees Hall, but the thing is, there is no Dalvin. You know, there is solely Samaj P. Ryan. It's it's not Dalvin. You're not talking about an all former all pro that's uh, that's pushing for touches there. So he will get the lion's share of carries, even if I don't think those carries are going to be quite as valuable as the ones in New York.
0: Yeah, I just wonder. I mean, obviously, it's it's one of those things that we, we have these conversations. If we knew everybody was perfectly healthy, our rankings would change dramatically. You know what I mean? Um, for sure r- right it's like it's hard to value or figure out how to value what that what is it well i don't fucking know i'm not a doctor i don't know like they're he's playing on saturday in an nfl competitive game or at least that's what they're saying and we'll see if that comes to fruition like that is that's a huge bit of data that look that we're still a month away from real games oh well a little under but you know almost a month and that gives him another 3 or 4 weeks to actually be ready for week one? Like, that seems crazy to me. So, it's like, when I hear that stuff, it's like, I don't want to overreact and be like, alright, Javante is like my RB12. Like, you know, you look at, like, some of the players, like, we talked about ETN and Dobbins, Akers, Brees Hall. Like, alright, Brees Hall or Javante Williams in redraft this year. I feel like... Uh, <laughs> Javante? Yeah, that,
1: that, yeah, I mean, you, they're they're right there. It's it's just like the, the <sighs> Ramondre Najee thing, where... Right you get new information about one that just changes it a little bit enough for yes. you to feel more comfortable in the other. And I think it's, it's the same with Bruce and Javante where right. it a week ago, if you had asked me, it was probably Brees Hall Bruce. and it's not by much, but now it's probably Javante by hair. Yes. Um, it, it's not, and you obviously, this is why this time of year is so important is you've got guys getting injured, you've got players stepping up that we didn't think might step up, you've got veterans that show that they're they've taken a half step too many as opposed to, you know, you know, still got it. It's a weird time for sure, but again, like we kicked off the show talking about, this is a much more valuable por- portion of the off season to gain intel than yeah, 3 weeks ago was.
0: Well, you know, it's funny on I kept saying like, you know, on a lot of these shows leading up to this one, you know, all off-season I'm like getting these fucking running backs right is going to be the skeleton key to winning your league, whether it be dynasty redraft or, or best ball or whatever, like getting the running backs, right, you know, picking the right ones, you know, it, 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 and having them in the right order where you're taking value at, uh, at the right times when you're getting these running backs is going to be huge. And you said something about the value of wide receivers. You're absolutely right. These, these wide receivers are more valuable. I wanted to ask a question, about some wide receivers, real quick. This was a fun question. I'll, I'll shout out Alan Sislawski who asked me this question, and it's been a little bit of a hobby horse question that me and Theo Greminger have been throwing around in various podcasts. But I'd like to ask it to you. So Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are the God tier. They're, that's 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 a that's a fact. They're one and two, and then there's everybody else. But out of everybody else, if you could imagine somehow, some way, a wide receiver. Becoming the wide receiver one in Dynasty over those two, probably not going to happen. I don't suspect it will. But if there is a wide receiver who could accomplish such a thing between now and this time next year, who do you think that would be?
1: So I'll give you two answers. And I think one is the consensus answer that you'll get. And I'll give you why, despite being one of my guys, I would not do it. And that guy is Garrett Wilson. Um, and this, by right, the way, a
0: very consensus answer. By the way, yes, you're right. Yeah.
1: So I think the consensus answer is Garrett Wilson and why he profiles as an NFL wide receiver. One, we've seen him do it last year. He just got an upgrade at quarterback, and you know, the thing is, people don't want to admit it because we've we haven't had a Chase and a Jefferson that are that good over an extended period of time for a long time. I would like to remind everybody three years ago, the wide receiver one in dynasty was Michael Thomas. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like
0: things life, comes change at you real- fast.
1: life comes at you very fast. And so, while I don't expect that anybody's going to push chase or Jefferson for a long time, barring injury. Garrett Wilson stands to reason. And it makes sense. The question that I have going forward, if you're buying him in dynasty is well, who is his quarterback? Because if it's not, Aaron Rodgers, those teams are probably going to be pretty good. They're going to draft, you know, in the late teens, early twenties, how are they going to get the quarterback? Is it going to be Zach Wilson experiment 2.0? Who is this guy? Which which is the reason that, that at player profile, we have chase over Jefferson long-term in terms of dynasty rankings, even though both of them are going to command the same amount. So it's really a personal preference thing and depends on, on how you feel about either of them. Um, But the guy that I'll throw out there is Amon Ross St. Brown. There you go. And ding, the ding, reason ding, ding. and the reason is we know what Goff is. We know he supported a Cooks in a Woods before. We know he supported Cup before. We know he supported multiple other guys, Hague B, several others before. But I think it's most likely that Amon Ross St. Brown After next season or the year after that or the year after that, whether it's golf or someone else has the level of quarterback play and competence there or therefore above that will allow him to get the target share that not only he has gotten, but will probably eat into more and allow him to potentially in the way that we saw Cooper Cup two years ago have that breakout year. I think you could see Amon Ross St. Brown do that this year or even potentially next year and get to the point where he's at least in that tier. Do I think he's going to pass to Jefferson or Chase? Probably not, but he's the only guy that I think legitimately could get there. Even if Garrett Wilson has an insane year this year, there are always going to be the quarterback questions going forward that I don't think Amon Ross St. Brown has.
0: Yeah, that's right, and it's like it, what you really need is the Cooper Cup season from a young player, right? That's what you need, and it's, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously that's like that's all, but yeah, but, you know, yeah. no big deal. But, like, yeah. <laughs> but but if you if you run that thought experiment and think, hey, who who are the young players that are able to do that? I think Amon Ra over Garrett Wilson can do it. Amon Ra could have 170, 180 targets, and you wouldn't be like, no, that's not going to happen. It's like.
1: Actually, yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> my my hottest take, you know, my Ohio State boys, I love them all equally. They're like my children. But um, with Chris and Garrett, you know, if you can sell Garrett Wilson right now in Dynasty for Olave and then some, I'm probably doing that simply because I think long-term, their range of outcomes aren't that dissimilar. And Olave has a much more established quarterback long-term than Garrett does at this point. And, you know, I think that – do I think that they're identical receivers? No. I think if in a vacuum I would probably rather have Garrett than Chris Olave. But based on the factors that we know matter long term for for, you know, wide receivers as they age in dynasty, I think Chris's situation is a little bit better. And I think Garrett might be a little overvalued where even if you buy him as the wide receiver 3 in dynasty, even if he hits wide receiver 1, you're never going to get the return on investment that you yeah. hope for much like you could get out of an Amon Ra St. Brown or a Chris Olave right
0: now? So, so my answer to that question was Amon Ra. I did like uh, C.D. Lamb a little bit uh, because I feel a like good one. he could get there. There is a dark horse, a little bit deeper dark horse player that I answered, and Theo loved it, uh, Alan loved it. Let me ask you if you can think a little deeper, if there's another player further down those dynasty rankings that could do it.
1: Uh, it would, it wouldn't be that much farther for me. Um, I think just aging out the guy that's playing across from him. I think the guy to look at is Jalen Waddle.
0: There you go. That's okay. What about even, I'm going to hit you even closer to the heart. What about Jackson Smith and Jigba
1: as the number one? Yeah. As, as the, uh,
0: run the thought experiment, Tyler Lockett getting a little older, could get not phased out could get injured could have a little this or that might not be look he wasn't exactly an alpha he was just a really efficient player in a really good offense dk Metcalf, outside x he's going to command his targets but what if what if what if jsn sort of steals lockett's lunch a little bit and lockett ends up being an 80 90 target guy this year dk 100 120 but big big balls down the down the sideline and what if jsn just commands the middle of the field in a way that Amon Ra, Cooper Cup, players like that have done. And he does it in year one, and he gets to 140 targets or something like that, gets close to 100 receptions, and maybe has a little bit of an outlier touchdown season. After he puts up a a season like that, he doesn't necessarily have to have the the huge the huge year, but he could possibly get there. I think it's close. I don't think it's more likely, but I'm like, man, this JSN, he could see a, a tremendous rise in dynasty value very, very quickly uh, after this season. What are your thoughts?
1: Uh, I think he has the right OC to do it. Shane mm-hmm. Waldron came from LA and did the same stuff. Is from that Sean, came from that Sean McVay tree that produced your cooper cup season that it gave you know robert woods a lot of really fantasy relevant seasons guys that uh, that have left there and haven't quite had the same success elsewhere um i could absolutely see him pushing that tier it's just it'd be tough
0: to get him to one yeah
1: yeah to get him to one is really tough it's it's really just the question you're asking is can someone break into that tier at the top like right Uh, But yeah, I I, I,
0: I like Amon Ra a lot. The other one that Theo said is the the cheat, uh, which is the Bijan corollary, which is Marvin Harrison Jr., another one of your Ohio State. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's a. That's possible, then, right? Now, I mean, you're, you're probably talking about, there are going to be people that rank him in the top five of dynasty day one. Yes. And I don't think they're wrong to do it, but no. again, some of it is landing spot dependent in terms yes. of who else is there. Because if you have really good players like JSN landed in a perfect spot yep. in terms of real life football, but in terms of fantasy, they're a little that you're going to have to overcome some of the locket targets. There are going to yes. be some games where they run the ball more than you'd care to, yep. to than any of us would like them to. Um, I think there are, if Lockett there are things
0: were that are, to get hurt, it, it changes everything, right?
1: Oh, for sure. If you Lockett know? gets hurt, then you're looking at massive target share, yep. especially as the number two in that offense. Yeah, um, and I think he'd be
0: the number one target, maybe not the number one receiver, but I think he'd out target DK if Lockett got hurt.
1: I think so too. And the other part that you know is a, a formula to this that we're talking that we keep going back to is we know who his quarterback is. There's yes. no question who the quarterback in Seattle is going to be going forward. It's going to be Geno. Um, there's a lot of value in if he has a huge year this year, which is why the lone dynasty share I have of him is, uh, I think in a league that we're in together, but uh, I'm not selling.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, it, of the rookie wide receivers, you know, all the Zay Flowers, all just all of them, if you could pick one to boom and one to bust, who would you pick? Like, so boom obviously is just like, Absolutely nuclear season where they just, you know, they hit 150 targets that, you know, 1200 yards, you know, like maybe even a wide receiver one season this year, a boom season and a bust season where they completely fall flat on their face. Who would you say is the rookie boom?
1: I'm so I'm going to ignore. We we talked about JSN and Addison so I'm going to I'm going to take them out of this. Okay. Solely because they're the easiest guys to sit there and say, "Oh, he's gonna have a boom season." Yeah, uh, Marvin Mims is my boom guy. Uh, like Jaden Reed a lot Ooh. too in Green Bay. Let's but Marvin go, Mims, baby. Marvin Mims is my boom guy, and it's because Sean Payton looked around the the Denver Broncos wide receiver room and said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll take him as a day two guy." Uh, so that is Denver's first pick of the Sean Payton era was Marvin Mims. So that tells you something. It may not tell you everything, but it sure as hell tells you something. Um, and when I look at kind of yep. what that offense is going to be, it can't be any worse than it was last year. So I could see, I can see an avenue where he's, yeah. you know, kind of becomes the one a there and and they figure it out and him and Russ have a connection. Um, and then my bust is, I love it, that it's answer. Just,
0: that, this, this answer pleases the podcast. Let me just tell you,
1: please. The, podcast. The bust for me, and I don't think it's his fault. I think it's more the landing spot in the situation for me is going to be Jonathan Mingo. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I think it's, it's more so the way that he was drafted to the team that he was drafted. And for the reason that he was drafted, there (laughs) were just no,
0: it's so funny. If you asked me to do it, I would actually overlook Mingo because he's already busted in my mind. That's how, that's how much that answer. I mean, please. He was overdrafted. The poor thing. He's a third or fourth round pick.
1: And he's a really good player. It's yeah. just, you, you drafted him to be something that he's not because Correct. there wasn't one in this class, right? He was the but lone they guy that co- on
0: their team with Terrace Marshall, and They already had. Yeah. I mean,
1: like, I mean, you're desperately looking for Ugh. someone to play a role for your squad at this point. And it's not his fault. He's not going to bust because he's a bad player, but the, the way – the manner that they're going to try to yeah. use him in and the role that they're going to try to carve out for him, it's just tough to see a scenario where he hits at the prices that you're going to have to pay for him and realistically at what the numbers they're expecting from him are going to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I, you know, you've got to get going soon. I, you're, dude, we could do this and we could talk about like, there's so much shit I just want to talk about. I've been off for two weeks. I've got this amazing, brilliant person on my show. I am so grateful for that. Maybe we'll have a, you know, one more little question here, but I just wanted to first off say, thank you. And, and I, I, we'll have one more question before we go, but tell the people where they can find your awesome work before I, before I sign off completely.
1: First of all, thanks for having me, man. I had a great time chopping yeah, up man. with you. It's always good to talk to someone that, you know, kind of sees things similarly to you, but also different in some ways. You know, you don't want to be yes. an echo chamber of just us back and forth. Ohio 100% agree on everything. Um, <laughs> but you can find me on Twitter. Well, it's Twitter. hard to
0: disagree with those damn Ohio State uh, wide receivers. I mean, what do you want me to do? I can't disagree. They're fucking it, unbelievable. It's uh, crazy at this point, right?
1: Oh, I mean, it's nuts. And they've got a whole crop of new ones coming in. Um, immediately after th- immediately after this, I'm running to do an Ohio State preview for somebody, um, and there <laughs> yeah, it it's, yeah. it's just it's just it's like oh my god the freshmen look like redshirt sophomores already. I'm like dude, oh, where geez. is Brian Hartline finding these kids? It's insane. He's uh, a but stud, you can f- man, you can find me at uh, Nanduri NFL on Twitter uh, on the Decision Point on Player Profilers podcast channel. I'll guest on things from time to time, but uh, we have fun with all the stuff we do, man, and I'm I'm happy and lucky to get to do it.
0: Yeah, man. The decision point is that good. I absolutely love it. It's the show that it's, you know, and Matt has inspired me in a lot of ways because he's done a lot of shows that have been the show I wish I could do, uh, starting with the, you know, the nateless, uh, you know, Sonic truth shows, those were the shows I, I wanted to do. I loved it. I want to jump right in and be part of that conversation. And when I wanted to do that, I always thought, man, that's the show I want to have. I want to have a show where I want my guests, uh, excuse me, my, my listeners to want to like fucking jump in the radio or jump in and you know say something like, oh, I got an opinion on that shit too. And they did that great. And The Decision Point is exactly that same show. And the way that you guys approach it is awesome. It's a must listen for me. I absolutely love it. Go check out Anand and Dory on The Decision Point with Matt Kelly. You will not be disappointed if you aren't already listening. Um, so I, I say that you know, un, unpaid. He didn't pay me that much. I mean, a lot, but not that
1: much to say <laughs> We sent over something.
0: That's fine. It's fine. It's okay. It's worth it. Um, here's the one I wanted to have a conversation with because I think it's fun. Uh, just this maybe, maybe one last question. Of sure. the number two wide receivers, you know, and by number two, I mean they're the number two on their team. There's a little bit of a sneaky, sneaky one in there. Who you got? Ready? Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, T. Higgins, and the sneaky one is DK Metcalf.
1: I think it's Jalen Waddle. Yeah. And and the reason that I think it's Jalen Waddle is I think he's operated on his own and been elite. He's played next to another number one and still been elite. Devontae Smith is fantastic. God, and is I he- think he, I mean, and T. Higgins, anybody that knows me knows how I feel about the Bengals' complement of receivers and yeah. Higgins and Chase specifically. But it's Waddle and. It's simply because he's already proven that he can be a one by himself, and you know DK runs the the routes that he runs and plays the way that he plays within Seattle. We haven't seen what he can be really truly on his own. Whereas Waddle, as opposed to everybody else here. With the exception of Higgins, who was really good his rookie year, no question about it. But give me the breakaway speed of a Jalen Waddle that can turn absolutely anything into an 80-yard touchdown. It's kind of ridiculous. One of my favorite things every year is just watching clips of Jalen Waddle completely erasing angles for defenders. He has a first gear, unlike I've ever seen. It might even be crazier than Tyreek's first gear, which I mean, you're talking about two of the the quickest and fastest receivers yes. we've ever had, and they play for the same team. Uh, but that's my guy. I love Jalen Waddle, and I, I think that given time, he will act, absolutely end up being a number one, a true number one, even as I think he is right now.
0: By the way, the uh, the uh, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Devon A-chain speed compliment is something that has been... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's tantalizing, right? Because I keep thinking about it. Like That's one of the reasons that I've been a little bit higher on A-Chain is because of McDaniel, his unconventional sort of thought process, and his seeming desire to add speed to his team, right? And there was such a high t- target concentration to Tyreek and Jalen that I don't think they need a number three receiver, but I think it's a number three player. And I think that player is going to be Devon A-Chain. I think it's going to be like... You know, he's going to have – I don't I don't need him to get 15, 20 carries. I just really need him to get enough carries, enough carries where, you know, they're in the hurry up and he gets a little, you know, a little uh, draw here and there where he's able to rip off 10, 10 20 yards on a, on a big play here and there. And I think he's just going to get a number of targets and a fast-paced – speed-oriented offense. So I, I, that's one of the reasons I, I'm a little bit intrigued with Devon A. Chain, even in year one, uh, because I think that's what McDaniel envisions. Um, he certainly envisioned it with Mostert, but Devon A. Chain is world's better prospect than Mostert ever was, and he got a lot out of Mostert, who was a journeyman most of his career. So that was just a little take I had there. The Jalen Waddle versus the rest of the field here, I think you're right on the money. I think T. Higgins has been great but he is not he i think he's topped out at like 105 or 110 targets. He's played a full complement of games. He hasn't really missed time. T Higgins might get re-signed there, which I don't think necessarily is great for, for his, you know, ceiling outcomes. I think it'd be better if he went to his own team, but I think it helps his floor if he stays right there under the cozy confines of Joe Burrowland. In terms of DK Metcalf, I'm with you. I think he's the last one on this list for me. I put him there cuz I think he is the wide receiver too essentially on this team. Only time will tell. Uh, you know, it's basically a matter of time that JSN is is the is the number one there, in my humble opinion. For me, though, I think it's Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith has been just so good at at every level. He's been a downfield threat. He's been, you know, an intermediate threat like I've never seen. I mean, he just goes up and gets it. For a guy that weighs 122 pounds, he's been a real NFL player, don't you think?
1: Oh, yeah. And I mean you know, we we just talked about how ridiculous Ohio State's receiver Another talent one. has been. Yeah, but you go back to that 2020 room at Alabama, yeah. and we know what happened with Ruggs, but we know what he was as a prospect. That's right. And then you consider that they had Judy, Judy Waddle Boles. and Devonte Smith there. Dude, did, did you just see the did silly. you just see the
0: clip of uh, back in the day they would go all four of them would come out and they would Rochambeau. To see who's going to yeah. get the next play. Yeah. And, and I, I used to say the only thing that Ro- Jalen Waddle was probably the best one there. He just really bad at Rochambeau. That was, my, yeah. that was my take.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Jalen Waddle is silly, silly good. And Devontae Smith, in his own right, is silly good. And sometimes sometimes you just got to throw out, throw everything out there and, and kind of appreciate what you've got. Devontae Smith is not your typical wide receiver build. No, by any means, but that also means he can do some things that other wide receivers can't. Good luck pressing him. His chest is this wide, right. you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, but like he, you know, look, this has been uh, something in the making. You know, every year I do the the anatomy of a of, of every play, you know, of every uh, position, whether it's wide receiver, tight end, uh, quarterback, running back. The anatomy of a wide receiver of an elite NFL wide receiver they have been getting smaller every year over and over every single year every single season and now we see Jordan Addison Zay Flowers all these guys the the prototype is really 6 foot 200 which is exactly what uh, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are they're the prototype but the guys who are smaller you know CD Lamb also same size right so all these guys Garrett Wilson they're really in that 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 vein and if they're even a little smaller than that you know 511 510 6 foot 180 to 200, that seems to be the 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 prototype more so than what it was 10, 20 years ago when you could be real physical with these receivers where it was a different kind of game where you needed to be 6'4", 220 to be able to muscle your way into, into touches. Everything was contested. It was just harder to get open less time to throw fewer fewer receivers in the route used to be pro set a lot of fullback a lot of two tight end right it was just a different game and i think it's more of a speed game it's more of a seven on seven style more pass attempts shorter quicker throws not as much down the field it's just a different game i think that's one of the reasons that we're seeing Devonte smith jalen waddle players like this succeed and with the also with the 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 cooper cup uh you know, you could even throw Juju, who wasn't that good, but Juju Smith Schuster. Um, you know, even back to Jarvis Landry. Now Amon Ra. I think those are the types of players. CD Lamb came through the league, starting with a uh, with a slot role. JSN, so forth and so on. I think that the the league is changing a little bit, and it's what's even given me a little bit of hope for a guy like Tank Dell, who I am actually getting a little excited about, as I think he can at least be somewhat. You you know you know. Um, uh, you know used in that offense. Uh do you do you think Tank Dell has a shot at all before we say goodbye?
1: Yeah, they, I think he has a shot, especially with CJ being as accurate as he is. I think that's going to help tanks um tanks outcomes basically because he's going to have the time to do all the yak stuff that he's so good at. Say and, yes uh, to
0: tank, baby. Let's go. Say
1: say yes to tank. Um, I mean he's got a think- shot. He's got a shot. He does have a shot. I think the guy that doesn't get enough credit for being the archetype of the modern wide receiver that you're describing is a guy that Baltimore signed. His name is Odell Beckham Jr. There you go. Uh, um, and it was kind of the first time that someone really at that height did the high flying acrobatics and the crazy stuff that the 6'4 and 6'5 receivers had been doing forever. Yeah. I mean, your archetype used to be A.J. Green. That's what you look for. Yes. And there aren't a whole lot of A.J. Greens out there. <laughs> No, for 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 anyone wondering, so you know the the question for a while became: Can we build the entire plane out of Julian Edelman's? And if your <laughs> right. quarterback is Tom Brady, then yes, <laughs> yes you can. But if not, <laughs> if yeah. not, then you got to Edel- find Edelman, these-
0: Welker, and Amendola. Yeah, there's three small white guys get out out there yeah. and do your job, boys.
1: Right, and that works if you have Brady and Gronk, yeah, but right. not if you have anybody else. So <laughs> that's right. Uh, I think Houston's trying something different with Tank Dell, and I love it. it it's basically. Um, If he works out at at the spot that they want him to work out at, that's great. Worst case scenario, you just have a target for your young quarterback to learn and, and kind of throw to and develop with. And even if he turns out into a wide receiver three that still has value in modern NFL, just because of the pass volume and the way that we go about things. So, I mean, I like him a lot. It's just... You know, I don't I don't think the ceiling is is no. where we where we'd no. like it to be. We, no. you know, but, but the heart's there, man. He's the a, heart's there. He's a fun the Do fun not, player to watch.
0: I'm into this Deuce Vaughn and into this tank Dell. I, I I'm not overly exposed in dynasty. I think I have zero shares of Deuce Vaughn. I'm I basically was out. But let me tell you, as a fan of football, I hope I'm fucking wrong as anything on this Deuce Vaughn situation. Nothing would please me more. I've said it all off season. Let's go Deuce Vaughn, let's go Tank Dell. I mean, no, nobody wants to see it more. Than, than, the NFL fan base to see these guys dominate. So with that, with that, I will say, Mr. Anand thank you so much for coming on this show. You were fucking awesome. I would have you on a million times. I love talking to you. I'm sure the people loved hearing you. Uh, thank you so much, brother.
1: Thanks again for having me, man. I had a great fucking time.
0: You got it, man. On behalf of everybody here at the undroppables on behalf of everybody here at the undrafted and on behalf of, of a man with a new nickname given to him by my seven year old son, the greatest podcast producer on the planet, Mr. Michael P. Duncan Donuts. You have been joined by the great Anand Enduri. I am Jax Falcone, and we are out.